0: So, all right, a little trip down memory lane. So I'm in high school. I was so cool. I wanted these. I wanted to, like, wear cool clothes like all the cool kids. And uh, there were these awesome pants out at the time that were just, like, everybody had them. If you were cool, you were wearing them, right? And so I had to have a pair. And I told my mom, I was like, i got to have a pair of these pants. Have you ever heard of these pants right here? They're called Z Cavaricis. Aren't those so awesome? Yeah. Dude, look at those things. I feel like MC Hammer, right? Okay, so hammer time. (laughs) Now, here's how you knew the difference between just like any old pair, like knockoff Z Cavaricis and like the real thing. You see the zipper, see that little white tag? That was like the way you knew it was like a real pair. Otherwise, if it didn't have a tag, it wasn't really Zcat Ricci's. And you weren't cool. So everybody looked for that tag. If you didn't have it on there, people were like, you're lame. You're just trying to be like a wannabe. So I had to have a pair. But my mom went out, and she bought me a pair of the knockoffs. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. So I had a plan. Cause I didn't want to be made fun of at school. Cause like all the cool kids, like these guys were wearing them in this next slide. Right. Saved by the bell. You guys know Slater, right? Uh huh. You know, so I had to be like Slater. I was like, I'm going to do something. So I go, he doesn't even have one on his tag. Those are fake. Those are knockoffs. Anyway, so I had to, I took a little piece of paper and I literally cut a little strip of white paper and I wrote Z Cavaricis on there and I glued them to the front of my pants and wore them to school. It was a total disaster. Like, obviously you can guess why that didn't work. And I was made fun of 10 times worse for trying to fake it than just like own it and be like, yeah, I got knockoffs, dude. But like, I had to have them because people, like the cool kids had them, right? So I was like, I have to fit in. And that material, like those pants were my way of saying, like, I fit in here, like I belong, right? They, they kind of spoke in my heart anyway. They were like speaking to my identity, like who I was. And I really, really wanted to fit in so bad. I like just did this really stupid thing. And I thought a pair of pants would actually be the thing that would make me cool. Didn't work, obviously, as you could tell, but you guys probably have stories, probably not like Zeke Haverici's, how sweet those were, but other stories today of things that you guys are like, man, in order to be like part of the cool crowd, I got to have this certain thing. I got to support like certain clothes or I have to have a certain technology that other people have the latest thing out or there's something, right? Like in every culture, in every group where it's like, there's possessions, there's like physical things, Stuff that money can buy that makes you feel cooler or look cooler And I don't know what it is for you guys right now for your culture like it's always changing so fast It's hard to keep up with but for me it was those z cavaricis and i'll tell you what like it did not work It didn't work because I was still me Right. I was still me. And I was never going to, I wasn't going to change just because I like put a little tag on my pants. And tonight we're going to talk to, we're in James chapter five. We're still walking through asking for a friend series. Right. And so James is telling us how to live the Christian life. And he's going to talk about this tonight. He's going to talk about like physical stuff. He's going to talk about money. He's going to talk about these things that we try to like take and use them and be like, man, I'm a certain thing because of what I have. Or I'm a certain person because of what I own. And he's like, I'm not sure that's actually how Christ has laid this thing out. So if you'll read with me real quick. James 5, we're going to read verses 1 to 6. It says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver has corroded, and their corrosion will be evidenced against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Okay. (laughs) Okay. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, right, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You've lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You've fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Now, hold on a second, because like he starts off by saying, come now, you rich. So it sounds like anybody who has money immediately is just a bad person. That's not what James is saying. Just because someone is wealthy or blessed financially, it does not qualify them for this person that James is talking about here. As a matter of fact, when he talks about the rich, he's talking about people who look at money and being rich as like the end game. It's like their greatest goal. It defines who they are. And their hearts are like, this is me. I feel like I'm defined by my stuff. Because I got the biggest house on the block. My parents drive the nicest car, dropping off at school in like a Porsche. Like I I own like the, the best technology. I dress in the finest clothes. That's who I am. Like I find my identity in that. And so people like that is who James is talking to. Not just the fact that you're blessed but that you think you're better than everyone else because you're blessed. Like you're finding who you are in that thing. We just talked about last week or the week before because we had a hurricane, right? The week before that we talked about how people thought like they could judge other people. Like, I know the law better than other people. I know I'm a righteous person, so I can walk around and put my finger in people's faces and be like, hey, you're definitely unrighteous or you're evil. And God's like, hey, that's not for you to judge. But in our righteousness, like in our works, sometimes we find our identity in that and we think we're better than others. And so now he's looking at basically the same thing, but saying some people do it with money. Some people think because you have money because of your like station in life that you're so much better than everyone else. Some of you think because you don't have money enough that you would like, right? That you're not as good as other people. You sit there and look at the people who do have money and you're jealous and you covet and in your heart, you're like, man, I wish I were like them. I'm not as good as them because they have all these things and I don't. Like it works both ways. And so when he says rich, he means people that are looking at things. And finding their identity in it. And he says this to them. This is like really, really crazy warning. He says, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. He's like, dude, bad stuff is about to happen. If you continue finding your identity in stuff. Literally weep and howl. Like what does that even sound like if we started to weep and howl right now in the room? Like this, it'd be like an insane asylum. It'd be crazy in here. And that's what he's saying to do. Like grieve and mourn. Be heartbroken. It's a picture of a funeral. Imagine losing someone that you love greatly and standing by their casket in a funeral. Imagine the feelings you would feel in your heart. Imagine what people in that room would be feeling, how they would cry and grieve and mourn. That's the instruction here. Grieve what's happening in your own heart because it's rotting. Like there's death in you and it should shake you up. You shouldn't be okay with it. If you're a Christian and you're trying to walk the Christian walk like Jesus, there should be grieving and repentance and mourning in your heart over being this way because your identity is not found in your stuff or how much money you have. It doesn't make you less valuable or more valuable than anyone else. We know where our identity is found, where our value is, and it's in Jesus Christ. And the person who would tell you it's not is lying. And so James warns us with this, he's like, weep and howl, like your heart should be broken over this. Don't you realize that your life is just this like fragile breath? It's like walking outside on a cool morning and you see that little puff of air come out when you breathe. And just as fast as it comes out, it disappears. Like that's us. That's how fragile we are. Why would we think so much of ourselves that we could judge others or find our identity in things and think we're so good? Look what he says next. He says, your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Whatever things you're holding on to tonight, right, that you're thinking this makes me who I am, James is like, listen, it's going to rot. I mean, your iPhone is literally programmed to rot after like six months and you have to buy a new one, at least mine. Like everything, they literally make them that way, right? Like everything that you have has an expiration date. Even your body that you're sitting in right now, the ears that you're using to listen, the eyes that you're using to see the stage, it's got an expiration date. The things that we have who we are, our own bodies, everything physical is going to fade and rot. So the harder you hold on to it, the faster it's going to slip through your fingers. Why would you ever want to find your identity in that? It doesn't seem very valuable if it doesn't last very long. Whereas if we put, found our identity in something that lasts forever, like, is that not priceless? Is there no end to that value? Like, so my actual identity and value is found in Jesus who never ends, who will never fail me, never fade. His love will never rot. Like Jesus Christ says that I'm valuable and that's enough. But for some reason, I go back to my z Jeez, I go back to my things. I think about my bank account. Think about what if my truck breaks down? What if my house, you know, my AC goes out? What if, and all these physical like worries that I have every single day when I get up, they tend to like rise to the top just out of like being, you know, a human. Like it just happens. Where I start to think physical things are so important until the point where it's like, man, I'm defined by these things. He says, Your riches have rotted, your garments are moth eaten. When you guys go to hang out with your friends, right? And you're like standing in front of the mirror. Girls, are getting all like primped and stuff and like do your hair, whatever you do, your nails and whatever girls, right? And you're looking in the mirror and you're seeing like your clothes and your style and you're like, what's going through your heart? Not your head, but your heart. As you look in that mirror, what are you seeing? What are you trying to become? Who are you trying to be? when you get up to get ready to go to school and you're about to see people, they're about to see you. What are you thinking like? What's your saying? What's the most important thing to you in that moment, right? Impressing people by what you have, by the way you look, by your physical like appearance. Has that risen to the top? Look what he says next. He says, your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion, listen to this part will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Like, James, chill out, bro. Like, that seems so intense. But he's referring to your eternal soul. What do you value? Do you value physical things that have an expiration date or do you value an eternity with your creator? Do you love Jesus? Have you given him your heart? Have you trusted in him and placed your faith in Jesus? Because if your faith is in stuff, it's not gonna end well for you because your stuff can't save you. You're not gonna take it to heaven with you. And if you worship stuff instead of Jesus, you're not going to heaven. He's like, this is a big deal because people get so distracted by things. Even churches get distracted by things. We gotta have the shiniest spotlights and smoke machines and best seats and coolest buildings and have the sweetest band up there playing. And soon it becomes about the show instead of about the person, Jesus Christ, who's in the room with us right now that we're desperate to meet and spend time with and say, Jesus, we love you. Just be here with us. Jesus, change my life tonight. Jesus, break my heart. If there's sin in there, just convict me. Don't let me leave here the same tonight. Have we come to meet with Christ? Even churches can get caught up in this physical stuff. And James is like, it's all about Jesus. Stop making it about other things. Stop looking to stuff to satisfy your heart because it will never do it. It can't do it. And then he says, you have laid up treasure in the last days. Like these people have been good stewards. Like people that are worried about this stuff, they've strategized, man. They've, they've like taken their money. They've made good deals. They've like saved it, put it in the bank. They were very like savvy with their money. And so they've treasured these things up. But it doesn't, it doesn't satisfy them still in the end. And I'm not saying be stupid with your money. I'm not saying just go spend money like crazy. But if that becomes your God, it doesn't matter because it stays here. Right? Don't believe me? Like, ask yourself, what thing What thing is it that, that if it got taken away from you, you would just go into panic mode? Like, you'd freak out like, I have to have that thing for some of you guys, I know it's your cell phone. Like just, I know you don't even have to tell me your phone goes away and you're like, ah, why? Because like on trips and stuff, I'm like, all right, everybody put your phone over here. And then there's like mass, like panic and chaos and people are running around. I got to go home. Like, I know it's your phone. What is it for others? Like, what could it be? What is that thing? That physical thing that like, man, if I didn't have that, maybe for some of you guys, it's like, Maybe it's some of you guys who are working. It's your job because like your job's your lifeline. It's how you do fun stuff. It's how you go out. Adults, like for a lot of us, it's our job, right? Like that's how I pay my bills. (laughs) It's how we support our families. It's how we eat. That's how we drive around. That's how we do stuff. Our job is so important. Or maybe it's your car. Maybe it's your parents' job for some of you and you freak out about that the most because like maybe they're in between jobs and it's like, man, Maybe it's your house, but whatever the thing is that would put you in panic mode. I'm not saying that we don't need stuff. Jesus knows we need stuff every day, but he also says he'll provide for us. Right? And so instead of looking at our stuff and saying like, man, I trust this thing, this thing, if I didn't have it, my life just couldn't go on. What we're doing is saying, Jesus, I need this thing more than I need you. Nobody's saying that thing's bad. What we're saying is when you put that thing up so high, you're telling Jesus, I trust this thing more than I trust you. If I don't have my job, I can't go on. So forget you, Jesus. Like, and he's like, wait a minute. I can feed the birds. They don't have jobs. And I care about you. I've numbered every single hair on your head, right? He's like, why would you... Put more trust in some thing than in a living, breathing God who has the power to do anything and he loves you enough to die for you. What would Jesus not do for someone that he loves? If he's willing to even give his life, what would he not do for you? (laughs) But yet we still turn to physical things and tend to trust them more. Who or what are you trusting in? Maybe it's not even like stuff necessarily, but maybe it's people. Maybe it's just other people and relationships that we feel like they complete us or they give us like value. I have to be in this relationship because if I'm not, then I don't feel valuable. I don't feel like I'm respected enough. I don't feel like I am who I'm supposed to be without being connected to another person or in a certain group of people that like validate me. But even that doesn't last. You will be a better husband or wife if Jesus is the thing you lean most on. If you find your value in Jesus, you will be a better father or mother if you find your value in Jesus. You'll be a better friend if you find your value in Jesus. Don't place your trust in other people. People make terrible gods, and people cannot determine your value. They can't tell you who you are. Now, listen, people try all the time, right? People are constantly trying to tell us who they think we are, but they just don't know. Like it is up to Jesus Christ to determine that. Are you listening? Are your ears open? Are you saying, God, tell me who I am. Speak my value to me. Remind me when I wake up in the morning, like that I belong to you that I'm a child of heaven. Remind me so I can act and live today like I really belong to heaven, like I'm really your son or daughter. Instead of listening to what other people wanna tell you about who you are or what they think your value is. There's no strings attached with Jesus. He's given it all for you. Now, just give your all back. Just lay at his feet and say, it's all yours. And so James would tell us, hey, instead of storing up treasure that are physical things, Stored up in heaven, this like eternal treasure that can never rot or fade or go away. Then he says this, behold, he turns a little bit from these people and he specifically looks at like how they're treating other people now. Because your heart is corrupt because you love stuff, look what it does to you. Look how you treat others. He says this, behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields. All right, so there's these people, they work for you in the fields, they're like chopping down bushes and all this stuff, weeds, and you have to pay them a salary. Okay, Let's talk about their salary, he says, which you kept back by fraud. Wait a minute, Like this dude's making a ton of money because he owns the fields. These people are working for him and probably don't have like any money. That's why they're working for him out there. That's why they're mowing lawns. And so they're out there doing this thing, and then this guy is so full of himself, and he loves money so much, he's going to rip off the poor people that are making him the profit. They're literally the ones that are doing the work to make him profit, and there they are out there working and sweating in the sun, and he rips them off and doesn't even pay them what they're owed. You know why? Because he loves money so much. Because he's so greedy, because his heart has started to already think a certain way. And James is gonna tell us how. He says, those people, right, are crying out against you. It's literal evidence, he says, of what's happening inside your heart. When you start to look at other people as inferior to you because you have more than them, because your family's got it together more than them because you live in a certain neighborhood because you get dropped off in a certain car to school or drive a certain car because you wear certain clothes or do certain, like all of a sudden I'm looking at other people going, hey, like you're inferior. (laughs) You don't match up to me. You don't match up to the things that I have and that I own. And so he's, he's pointing that out as these people are literally getting like cheated by this guy. And he says, they're crying out against you And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. James is warning us again. He's like, listen, God knows. God's watching what you're doing and he can see your heart. And he knows he hears their cries and he knows how you're viewing them. Now, if you're claiming to walk with Jesus, right? And that's who he's talking to. Like, I want to follow Jesus. He's like, you don't do it by loving stuff. Look at how Jesus lived his life. I mean, Jesus was just out there. He didn't like make this huge mansion. He could have lived in a castle. And he didn't. Jesus was just traveling around. You would have thought he was a homeless dude, just out there ministering, loving people, healing people, giving whatever he had to the poor. Like that was Jesus' life. So we come along, we're like, I want to follow Jesus. I got a church. I love Jesus. And then we just try to hoard all this stuff for ourselves. And immediately Jesus is looking like, what? You look nothing like me. This is gonna be a hard reality, but I'm gonna say it anyway. We live in a country that loves stuff. It's everywhere, it's everywhere. And we're told that the more stuff we have, the better we are. We live in a culture that is literally being described in this passage. Every time you get on social media or on TV, or just walk outside, you are surrounded by a culture that says the more stuff you have, the better you are. And Jesus is looking at our culture going, that's garbage. If you're gonna walk with Jesus, you have to be ready to go against our culture. You've gotta be ready to stand up and say, I'm not gonna look anything like you. You've gotta be ready to say, I'm not gonna fit in because they're going a certain direction that Jesus is not going and I am following Jesus. I'm not valuing stuff. Forget this materialism. I want Christ. That's gonna take courage. That's gonna take you falling at the feet of Jesus saying, help me do this because I'm not strong enough. Like, I want friends. I wanna be in these circles You need Jesus to say, like, help me, Jesus, like, be more like you and want you more. Then he turns to him and he says, you've lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You've fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Like, they're just so guilty. They're guilty of looking around them and seeing poor and still just taking advantage of Taking what they think they deserve because they're better than everybody else, remember? So why not take it? Because they deserve it. Have you ever felt that way? That entitlement? Like, I deserve this. I deserve it more than they do, you know? And and, and Jesus is like, what? What What are you saying? You're so full of yourself, you actually believe that lie? You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. Literally he looks at this guy and he, or this imaginary guy and he's, he's telling him like, you're willing to put someone to death so you can get more rich. You're thinking like, I would never do that. Why are you even saying this? Rob, like I wouldn't murder somebody over, over something like that. No, but in your heart, don't you? Because Jesus said to hate someone is just as bad as murder. Right? When he preached the sermon on the Mount. Do you hate people for the things that they have? You ever got on, like, an airplane and you walk through first class and you're not sitting in first class? Like, you look at your ticket and you're like, oh, dude, I'm way in the back of the bathroom. You know, like, and you're, like, looking left and right and these people are, like, sprawled out, just, like, chilling, laying across these huge sofas. And they have, like, all this, like, stuff and the waitresses are just dropping off food and, like, platters to them. And you're like, man. And you f- I find myself, when I do that, I find myself coveting, like, looking at me, like, I wish that was mine. You know, like, I deserve that. We do it all the time. Like there's so many places in our hearts and our lives where we look at other people and we think I deserve that more than you. And some of us even do it to the point where we like hate people for what they have. Is that not the same? Jesus says it's just as bad as murder. How badly do you want things? Are you a materialistic person that needs to go before Jesus and admit it? And in just honesty, just say, Jesus, help me to stop loving stuff so much. Start loving you and other people more. The last thing he says here is he does not resist you. The difference between someone who loves money, a money worshiper and a righteous person is that a money worshiper will try to hold on to everything they have at all costs. But a righteous person is willing to sacrifice for the good of others. A righteous person knows that their treasure is in heaven and so they don't cling tightly to things on this earth. Which are you? Which are you tonight? I don't think it's a hard thing to look in your heart and see. I think it should be a pretty obvious thing tonight do you love stuff more there's a story that was told some old southern baptist pastor told me when I was a little kid I still remember the story and he was preaching and he said that there was this homeless guy who was walking through a town. He was just a traveler and he didn't have a house, but he was just, he traveled a lot. And he gets to this little Southern town, you know, one of those towns that has like this little church, but this massive like cross on top of it, you know, and like these little cabins everywhere. And like, everybody's got a fireplace with smoke coming up cause it's chilly outside. Just this cozy little town. And he's making his way through. It just looked like a very friendly town. And so he goes up to one door and he knocks on the door. He's like, listen, I'm so sorry to bother you. He's like, I'm traveling. It's cold out. He's like, I just, do you, could you spare one plate of food and I'll be on my way? Like, could you do that? And this guy says, looks at him for a second and kind of looks outside and looks around and looks back at the guy. He thinks for a minute. He's like, okay. All right. Here's what we'll do. He says, meet me out back. Go around back. There's some stairs back there, a little Porsche. I'll meet you at the back door. Okay, so he goes around back. The guy goes back in his house, and a few minutes later, that door creaks open. And there's that gentleman, and he's standing there with a little plate of food, and he kind of reaches out and hands it to this homeless guy. And he's like, you could sit right here, you know, on on the steps and eat it, you know, just take a load off. And the guy sits down and starts eating his food, and just very grateful, he thanks him like a hundred times. Like, thank you for this food, you know. And the guy looks at him, and, and he says sir, thank you so much for your kindness. And and the gentleman who lived there looked back and he said, you are so welcome, brother. And the man replies, it's strange that you call me brother. Does your brother have to sit on the back steps when he comes over to eat with you? And I just thought about that for a second, right? Without overthinking it. How many of our hearts do that? Right, like in our hearts we're doing that to people all the time. Like I want to be this Christian that loves people. I want to go out and serve people, I want to do service projects, I want to go on mission trips. I even want to feed the homeless as long as it's on my terms and I get to go to them with this little brown bag lunch and drop it off and it's neat and clean. But how many times like am I really opening up my heart and my life to people no matter who they are, no matter what situation they're in? I'm not saying be reckless with your safety. That's not what I'm preaching here. But I think James would say, you need to take a good deep look in your heart and ask yourself truly, how do you view other people? Like what's the rubric that you're using to look at others and say like, you're valuable. And I hope it's not the way they dress. I hope it's not their level of like hygiene, you know? I hope it's not these things that are so physical, but instead you're looking into people and you're saying, you know what? Jesus loves you enough to die for you. And that's how much I'm gonna love you too. He's spoken your value and I'm gonna believe it. And then there's some of you guys tonight who are on the other side of that. Maybe you need to take a look in your heart and say like, Stop letting people tell you that you're worthless. Stop letting people determine your value. The son of God himself said, you are so valuable, I'm going to a cross to die for you. Will you bow your heads with me for a second? Would you just ask yourself, uh, over this next song, the band's going to come up and lead us in a song. And as they do, would you just kind of sit there during this song and just say, God, will you reveal in me if there's materialism, whether I just love stuff too much, or maybe I'm judging other people on the wrong scale, and I need it to just be completely redone. I need God to do that in me. Or even if you're tonight going, hey, I'm that person. I feel worthless because I don't have as much stuff as other people. I need God to show me my true worth. Would you just ask him, reveal which one that is to you tonight. Maybe all three. And ask him to do a work in your heart.